from your campaign materials, I see that you have um, been very successful in um, bec become an expert in handling stormwater. Um, along the way, you've uh, earned a law degree. You've been very active in the conservative movement for quite some time. Um, so if you would please tell us briefly about that journey and how you came to be a candidate for Congress in the 24th district. Uh, I have always been conservative, I guess, because I'm a builder and a contractor and started my career as a framer five stories up. It feels like I framed half of Camarillo, uh, apartments, hotels, everything. I was up there working as a 20 year old. And then I went back to school because it was too much. That was too hard work for God's sake. And, but, and, you know, and I voted for Reagan first time in 1980. I was pretty young. I think I was 23, 67 now. Um, always been interested in, you know, in politics and the historical basis of politics and big history fan. And uh, that was my major in, in school was history. <laughs> so read all these books about various wars and history and the, the founders and just seeing what's happening uh, happening now with the the takeover, the cultural Marxism takeover of our school and institutions, uh, it's very worrisome. Um, kids don't realize what's happening. They they go along with it because the professors tell them, and they believe it, and then they become indoctrinated. And it turns out the kids that don't go to school or don't go to four years of college are seemingly more conservative. The ones that come out of college are very, very liberal, liberal, and not in the good sense, not in the liberal education sense of the of the past, but in more of the cultural Marxist liberalism, which is DEI and topics like that. So I'm concerned about that. Uh, my my kid was in junior high just 12, 15 years ago, and I remember looking in a, in a, a history book, they had uh, one page on on Jesus Christ, for instance, it was a mention of religion. This was an ancient history book, and they had sixty pages on uh, Islam. <laughs> so what the hell? <laughs> so I started writing letters, and that was like fifteen years ago. I, I got printed in the news press quite a bit, and uh, and then we I got hooked in with our local people. I ended up. Uh, having my son ran ran for assembly in 2020 so i was his campaign manager of course and and uh, you know he's just a young guy so what what is what is 23 24 year old people really don't have experience to to run for much of anything uh, unfortunately but there was no one else so he took the challenge just to have the experience that's how it is around this area <laughs> it's not like you're going to win as a conservative that uh, we do have a data company where we analyze election data and we look at the numbers and and look at the voters and you know try to do like a psychological thing on why they're voting why people are voting and you know our people are always getting 40s and uh, salute is always getting 60 he gets the 60 percent salute carbajal or the the republic the democrat in the area and so now we have a plan that we think we can actually pull over more than 40 and that would be something to do so we're attempting to do that and you know, just to get right to it is I, I have to reach out to, to Democrats. Like you were saying, you know, check in with those college Republicans. But the thing is, Ray, I don't need the college Republicans. I need the college Democrats. 
I need to talk to them and say, hey, hey, young people, you know, you know about the debt, you know what's happening with your debt. Don't worry about DEI. Worry about the debt that's going on to you and your grandkids and children. Uh, if nothing else, let's think about that. So that's that's kind of how I'm approaching um, running for office is um, uh, you know, reaching out to, to the young Democrats and the independents and the JFK Democrats that are older, but, you know, we're interested in peace and frugality and sound money. They're still alive and they're still voting Democrat now, but they're probably wondering why, because it's nothing like the JFK uh, Democrat Party of the of the 60s. Mm -hmm. Kind of a long answer, I guess, but. Yeah, thorough, a good one. I like to uh, uh, from your campaign materials, it's clear that the U.S.-Mexico border is a very important issue to you. What do you propose to deal with the situation? Go back to the, uh, the, the closed border. We simply just have to close the thing off. I mean, if you look at the border between Egypt and Gaza, that thing is 30 feet high, wrapped with barbed wire, and it's just one continuous wall all along the Egypt-Gaza border. Nobody's getting into Egypt. Now, uh, do we have to do that in the USA? Well, we have like a 1,500-mile border, but we should at least close off the areas where people are streaming through uh, unhindered because they, they're just mules for the cartel bringing in big backpacks of fentanyl, and plus half the people coming in are not from Mexico. They're from other places in South America. They're from 130 countries. Um, they're not vetted. They're not. Uh, they're not even checked medically. We don't know what they're bringing in. Plus, uh, the the sex trade is going on is unbelievable. The cartels rape everybody coming through. Where are all the feminists worrying about all these young girls getting raped? It's thousands of rapes a day. That's part of the price of getting through the border. But that is uh, another problem. And uh, all these problems are caused by uh, having just a loose open border. Uh, what else I would do is also e-verify. Absolutely. E-verify every state. Rec not it recommended, but just you know, make it a law. You got to verify that you are a citizen. I also would want to visit the um, 14th Amendment and actually get the, the Supreme Court to to weigh in on that and say because it says if you are born in the United States and your parents are not citizens, you are not a citizen. It says it right in the Fourteenth Amendment. You have to be under the auspices of the United States a citizen. And then if you have a child, then that child is a citizen. There is no there is no uh, uh, <laughs> Birth, birthright citizenship. It simply hasn't been settled. Uh, one sentence in, in a case that's unrelated from one justice does not make a settled Supreme Court law. So that needs to be looked at. So there's a number of issues that I would look at. That's probably a big handful of them right there. Um, E-verify, solid wall at where they're streaming through to stop the sex trafficking and the fentanyl. Uh, remissions to Mexico to say, hey, guess what? 50% tariff on those remissions until Mexico gets their act together and quit being a narco state. I mean, we had the, we had the military, the U.S. military was on the Mexico border for 100 years. 
from from 1848 to, to 1948. We had our military on the border. Why? Because Mexico is a failed state. They, they've had like 10 governments a, a year. No, they have 10 governments a decade. They've had hundreds of governments. It's just a failed state on our border. They need to be uh, controlled one way or another. And at this point, they're just they're just in the, in the hands of the cartels. And, and apparently we are, too, because the cartels are running half of our cities, bringing in their drugs, selling them. So I, I'm pretty familiar with those problems. People want to have open borders. I say, are you kidding? The, the amount of problems that brings to us besides just what I've just mentioned. Uh, one of your topics you mentioned was was housing. Well, if you if you flood in 10 million people in a, in a year or two or three, that's 10 million people taking up housing right there. That's destroying our available housing. So how can you possibly be worried about housing in America while you're saying, give me an open border? Yet that's that's my my opponent's position. He says, "Oh yeah, I'm all worried about housing. I'm going to build a an apartment in Guadalupe with some federal money. Hooray! We've got uh, 50 new apartments." But in the meantime, uh, Carbajal Salute has been has voted for open borders. So there's 10 million new people. Doesn't make sense as policy, but that's that's the policy that keeps him uh, getting funded from uh, you know uh, the big forces out there that fund people who want open borders, but it's not really helping America. And that's what I'd like to tell people. Okay. Uh, what do you want to do as a member of Congress regarding the war in Gaza? This is a great 2,000-year-old uh, problem that's been happening over there. And uh, since World War One, World War Two, the empires ended over there and suddenly the the english were in possession of all these nations that today exist jordan you know syria these were all nations that were just put together at the last minute and israel in 1948 a problem in gaza they're launching rockets at israel i would support israel's right certainly to defend itself uh, anything it wants to do to defend itself, it's not up to America. I know I know. people want to say, oh, make the Congress, make Israel do something or make Gaza do something. But Congress's job is not running uh, Israel or Gaza. I'm kind of an old school uh, congressman. If I were to be one, I'd be, be like uh, the old days where you don't tell other nations what to do. And that's part of our American problem is that we we think we're going to go around and bomb people we don't like and uh, supply bombs to people we do like so they can bomb their neighbors. And one of my uh, big, big phrases is just, uh, you know, we're not going to fund uh, proxy wars. The U.S. will not fund proxy wars. If Israel wants to bomb Gaza, they, you know, they probably should not do that. But uh, are we going to tell them to stop? Don't do it. No, uh, Iran's going to tell Israel to stop. Iran's going to say, if you bomb Gaza anymore, we're going to bomb you. Oh, but then we put our our carrier group in the Mediterranean looking at Iran. So it's a giant stalemate. But another part of that is is not funding proxy wars. It also means not funding belligerent nations. 
Uh, I would say that um, Gaza is somewhat belligerent. Uh, they're launching missiles indiscriminately into into Israel. And now Iran's launching missiles indiscriminately into U.S. bases in the Middle East areas. It's a real mess. So, you know, what's one congressman going to do? I'd say, you know, diplomacy, stop funding war, uh, stop funding Gaza, because they simply take, you know, relief money and put it into missiles and bombs and tunnels. Uh, Gaza's a belligerent nation. Uh, or a belligerent state. Maybe it's a belligerent neighborhood. I'm not sure it's a nation. But I would say the U.S. should not fund belligerent states. Okay. Um, can you describe your position, please, on climate change? Now, this is another one where I want to talk to the, the young people and uh, and tell them that you know, CO2 is, is 0.04 part of our atmosphere. That's pretty small, 0.04. And uh, studies have just come out, for instance, that uh, man's work in the last 200 years has maybe changed that 0.04 by 3%. Whether that's causing uh, our climate to warm up is not been proved, and the main point is that if you look back just 18,000 years ago, uh, the world was like 20 degrees colder. The oceans were 400 feet down, and you could walk out to the Channel Islands from Montecito. And that would be a lot of good real estate because it was, you know, beautiful oak forests and creeks and rivers and, you know, cave bears sloths it was amazing camels even in the day but just just 18,000 years ago the last ice age and there's been like 60 or 70 ice ages that keep happening they're 150,000 years each the co2 goes up the ice melts then the ice age is over and then the the ocean comes up this just this happens over and over again if people studied the history of our planet, they would actually realize that we're just a speck of dust in time. And if if the ocean goes up a quarter inch in the last 200 years, well, in the last 15,000 years, it's gone up 400 feet. And it's still going up a little because the ice age has ended and not all the ice has melted yet. And eventually it will turn around and we'll go back into another ice age. And the oceans will go down 400 feet. Now, if people just realize that, they should take another look at this because I believe it's just being used to pummel our country into submission. You know, the Davos people flying around on their jets, burning up tons and tons of jet fuel, wanting us to all stop and, and live in electric cars and not even have gas in our homes. In the meantime, you get an electric car, you're powering it from oil that's been imported from Saudi Arabia into California, or you're, you're getting gas-powered electricity from Nevada or Arizona. This is all happening right now. So these kids, these young people that are telling us that the, the, the end is near, the world is ending, you got to get an electric car. 
that you're powering that car with gas from from Arizona and and oil from Saudi Arabia. So if they knew that, would they think differently? Would they go, hmm, that sounds suspicious. Uh, that's what I'm going to be telling young people and trying to point out, you know, historically, we're just a little blip in time right here and uh, they, they should get a longer view. Um, the 24th Congressional District is one of the most expensive housing markets in the nation. Um, many people who work in Santa Barbara can't afford to live there and instead commute from elsewhere in the 24th, like Oxnard, Ventura, Lompoc, Santa Maria. And some of them even sleep in their cars during the week to save the expensive gas. What can be done about this? And what about those who have no housing at all? I like to tie issues together, part of legal training, I guess. And when I, you know, because you have 13 topics when you're in law school and they're all cross-referenced and you can sue people five different categories of, of law. So when I, so, you know, I'm talking about housing, I go, well, we need housing. It's really expensive to build here because there's limited land, there's limited water. That adds a lot. There's a lot of regulations that add cost. But um, where was I going? Is that um, when you spend $200 billion on a proxy war in a foreign country like Ukraine, uh, and it's killed like 600,000 young people, uh, you know, violating a treaty with Russia that NATO was supposed to stay out of Ukraine. And then nobody's talking about that because, in fact, if you do, you get taken off of YouTube. So there's censorship of just basic facts of that war. So instead of doing that, I would say, you know what, that, that was a waste. How about we take $200 billion, which boils down to $400 million for our 24th district. If you divide that $200 billion into 52 different, um, into 435 different congressional districts, you get... Four four hundred and fifty, almost five hundred million dollars. You could build a house for every homeless family in the in the district for that money right there. But uh, Salute is very proud of spending uh, two hundred billion over in Ukraine, and he's bought like two million home in federal dollars to build a little apartment in Guadalupe uh, for illegals. <laughs> I mean, I have to say. Most most of the people who are living there are going to be illegal aliens. So it's all about America last, you know, and I, I'm America first. Stop blowing up people around the world and start building housing in our area. Now, uh, that would be the, the big view. And then the, the small view is like we have the, the builder's remedy that the states just enforced on on California. Uh, it's, it's funny to see the liberals aghast that the state is making them suddenly build housing. Uh, they they were against building housing for such a long time. I mean, in the 50s and 60s, build, build, build. That's where we all live now. And those houses, my house is built in the 70s. And uh, recent houses are only only the super rich basically can afford to, to build a house nowadays. And so the regulations are pretty high. The prices are really high. Um, what are we going to do? You know, the other the other option is just start building 
some apartments, building more apartments, if that's what has to happen. I know the state's regulated that we have to build here like almost 9,000 housing units in, in the 24th district. If you look at it, three counties, it's going to be more like 12,000. That has to happen. There's no way around it. Uh, the people are going to complain. They're going to try to get their supervisors to stop it and this and that. It's, it's not possible. The state's already voted on it. All the legislators have voted on it. It's a law you have to build. So the building is going to happen. That's going to mean a lot of expensive uh, um, infrastructure has to be built. And that's where the costs are going to come into the community. It's not just you're going to build a house. Suddenly there's going to be new sewer systems, new water systems, new water transportation and, and storage systems. So the costs are going to be dumped on the existing people here. Uh, to build all these new houses. And that it, uh, housing will happen. It, it's going to happen because it's been mandated by the state of California. So they have to live with their with their state that they've created. And this is all Democrat-powered states. So anything that is wrong, it's the Democrats' fault. I'm completely blameless as a Republican. <laughs> I'm out of the loop. So what would I do? You know, I would do, well, you know, as a congressman, I would say, oh, good luck, California. You... You you bought it. You get to fix it. Uh, I'm not sure what a congressman could do, but I would say quit spending money blowing up other nations and, and return that money to the district. That's 500 million pulled out of our district. Sent away. And, and, and plus, there was no there was no money to begin with. It was borrowed money. It's 500 million in debt that is put on the voters of the county. And that's like twelve hundred dollars of debt just for Ukraine per voter per year. So these are the things I would tell young people. I don't know if they'd throw stuff at me and you know call me an anarchist or a communist or a, a Nazi, but th these are just money facts that, that young people should be aware of. Um, there's a, a money fact that uh, struck me when I looked through your campaign materials. You stated that social security should be, and these are your words here, be protected and maintained for the people by having all income levels paying into Social Security without income caps. You sound more like Bernie Sanders than a conservative Republican there. Um, <laughs> please talk about um, how you came to that stance. And if, if you see that as a solution that enough representatives from both parties could support in the coming term. Right. We're always hearing that Social Security is going to go under and it, it only has three years left or it's it's on life support. And uh, that was an idea. I, I've read it in other places. It's not like I created it, but no, you know, you look at there's a there's a cap on on the SS tax. And of course, all us working people have to pay. Seems unfair that we should have to pay. And if you earn up to $140,000, you're paying Social Security. But any money above that $140,000 is not taxed for Social Security. So it seemed uh, certainly some easy money there because if you're making a million dollars a year, you ought to be paying Social Security tax on a million to help out all these poor working guys that don't make a million but, but are paying out of their uh, smaller paychecks, it seems fair. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, maybe it is a Bernie Sanders idea. My son will probably kill me for, for bringing it up. But it's just an idea that, that shows that I'm not against uh, 
increasing taxes on some things, especially when they're uh, blatantly un unequal. I mean, the rich guys are getting a break on this tax. I'm not saying tax them more. I'm just saying tax them the same rate as everybody else is taxed. And uh, we'll see what happens. Um, your analytics 805 uh, polling, um, what, how does that uh, look at the moment for the primary? And do you see, um, you know, I, basically what you need to do in the primary is beat Pascarella, right? Um, because <laughs> there'll be two candidates in the November election. Um, right. So, um, you know, I, I, are you holding back gotcha videos until November? Um, what, what, uh, how, how is uh, Analytics 805 um, shaping up in this campaign? Yeah, we're looking, we're looking at those uh, <laughs> upcoming races. I have a month of coasting at this point. I've done my uh, outreach to the, uh, the people. And uh, at this point, it's just telling the, the Republicans to get out and vote and, and, done some outreach to Democrats, although nobody really wants to be outreached to at this point. People are tired. They really seem tired. I don't know about you, but I get like five pieces of mail a day asking for money, you know, donate to this and that. It's all, it's just unbelievable. The, uh, the causes, everybody wants money. There's not a lot of money going into elections. People are just coasting. I think I, I tried to reach uh, Helena and uh, I sent her a note. I got on her website, sent her a few notes, nothing. And I wanted to give her a hundred bucks to go against Salud. <laughs> I was going to send her some money really as a, as a, just as a, as a, a lark, an experiment, but I couldn't even do that. So I don't think she's accepting money or maybe she, but I never got back to her. I couldn't donate to her site. I'm not sure she's a, a, a viable candidate i'm just not sure because when your website doesn't function and nothing happens you you wonder so she's probably you know gonna pick up some of the uh some of the bernie vote i would think she might pull a she might pull 10 percent or 12 percent from from salute and leave him with a a dismal you know score of less than 60 uh i do hope that i i end up uh, <laughs> at least going on in the uh, in the primary, I just don't really know, but I don't think she's going to pull a lot. Okay. Um, what are the other major issues you'd hope to address? If I if I were to win, you know, I would just say immediately the money the money thing is I'm I'm like a Rand Paul. I mean, I've read all the Ron Paul books, and I'm going to go have lunch with Rand Paul next week at the Reagan Center. I've met him a few other times there. Um, it's just funny that our America's uh, savior is a, a a diminutive optometrist. Uh, but it, it's it just it's so classic because in in the, in the founders' days, often doctors and you know, were the people that were in Congress because they could read and understand and write and um, and today uh, Rand Paul is that voice of of uh, economic uh, warning you know we we can't spend money we don't have what's this argument about spending an extra 60 billion in ukraine we don't have an extra 60 billion as, as he i just looking at it today he was saying um you know the, all the money that the congress votes on is all borrowed 
It's like two thirds of the discretionary they never vote on. That is paid for with tax money income. But there's a whole 1.5 trillion that's discretionary. It's all borrowed. So it's like a 25% deficit every year of a trillion and a half dollars. I would just be in Congress standing next to, to Rand Paul, stop spending, cut, cut. No money for foreign aid. Screw you guys. You don't like us anyway. No money for foreign wars. Raytheon, you're going to have to sell your weapons, not have us buy them and give them to people to blow up their neighbors. I'm I'm one of those guys, which which should appeal to some uh, some some Democrats because they're not getting it from Salud. Salud's a war war hawk. He's war war war. Spend spend spend. So that's going to be my uh, my campaign issues. And that's what I would do in Congress. Just stop spending, stop the war machines. Uh, I'm not going to get any Raytheon donations, but all I need are votes. So that's probably a a good ending, maybe. Um, One other here. Um, How uh, do you think you would be working with colleagues across the aisle, um, given the highly partisan atmosphere? these days you know from my my builder career such as it is and building contracting writing contracts it's it's money and i would just say let's all talk about money because if we start talking about dei or gender training i mean sure uh, everyone's going to argue but we say you know what we don't have money for this nonsense we just don't we, we don't have the money discretionary spending it's a trillion and a half year of borrowed money. We we can't do it. The borders increase the cost to all Americans. Six hundred billion a year is what the Heritage Foundation says. That's money. You want open borders? You're going to be spending six hundred billion a year to uh, to have no housing. So everything can come about come down to money. That's probably what I would do. I'd be one of those guys who just goes on about money. I've written a couple of books about central banking. Uh, 200 Years of Central Banks was my my book I wrote about 20 years ago. And uh, it's all coming to to pass, is that the central banks think they can use the American dollar to to push our weight around, but we have nothing left. We have no manufacturing. We, we have nothing going on in the U.S. except for uh, war, a war machine. So we've turned into a giant war financing, proxy war uh, financing machine here. And that, I would be saying that's where the cuts should should happen. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm open for uh, debates and meetings with uh, with rowdy college students and professors and right-wingers, left-wingers. Let's talk, you know. Has anybody approached you regarding a, a forum of the, of the three candidates? I mean, KEYT, the League of Women Voters, anybody? Uh... No, I've been mentioning to the... the League of Women, and they they said no, we're not we're not doing that. And I'm still like on the phone to the professors at at UCSB, for instance. But they're like I said, they're they're slow. I think it'll come around eventually. It's it's really early. I don't mind starting early. Apparently, the campaign is really that you know these campaigns don't really get into gear until maybe four months, four or five months. But I would like to start early because why wait? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in it to to win it and to win over voters. So, okay. I think I'm going to uh, stop the recording now.